Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. And thanks to um, Ruminations crew for another great show, highlighting issues around homelessness and rooming houses. Uh, hi, uh, this is The Living Free Show, and uh, my name is Bill. Uh, today I'm talking with Maya, and she's a member of Alan Family Groups, and we're going to be talking about recovering from the effects of alcoholism. Um, so Maya was on the show a year and a bit ago, and uh, so today we thought we'd talk more about recovery and less about getting there. Um, and But I guess to fill you in, we'll, we'll just go back a bit and talk about growing up in an alcoholic situation and and what causes you to to try and break free i guess is is the issue so maya what was it for you that caused you to start thinking that you could get away from alcoholism yeah well that's all i wanted and just to clarify for somebody who might so I was to recover from alcoholism, the family illness. So I wasn't drinking. I wasn't having a drinking problem, but my father, in my eyes, had a drinking problem. In his eyes, had no problem. So, um, yes, I was very confused. So recovery, I, I didn't know. I just wanted to be in less pain and less confusion. That was my first motivation, I guess. Okay. Yeah, um, well, yeah, I guess to identify too, my dad was an alcoholic um, and I realised when I came to Alan too that his drinking wasn't a problem for him, but it certainly was for me. So in what ways did his drinking affect you? It, well, number one, he was pretty absent. So when he was drinking, I could jump and down and, Daddy, see me, Daddy, see me. Wouldn't happen. Yep. I would just be a nuisance because he was whatever. So, yeah, my father was absent due to alcoholism. So that's okay. rough. Yeah. And um, and then the daily living. Uh, my sister, two in the morning, talking to him through the to the study. Dad, go to bed. It's two in the morning. Go to bed. You're drunk. Da, da, da. So this was would repeat every weekend for however long and it's just harrowing when you're trying to sleep and you got you got alive and you just being disrupted like that and and the worst part probably was uh, doing homework with him because he had no gauge of what a child you know uh, the concentration span of a child he would just chronically overwork me until I ended up in tears let me go. <laughs> you know, I felt a hostage to his and his alcoholism, his illness, and his just inadequateness. Yeah. So, did you judge him as inadequate? Did you see him as a less totally. than totally? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, he was just. That was such a big conflict because most kids liked their dad, and I just hated him. Mm. I just thought he was so pathetic. I knew he's an alcoholic. How can he not even know it? That's just low. Yeah, <laughs> right. So what what changed? What caused you to sort of think about moving or getting away from alcoholism? Well, I was relieved when my mother got a divorce. I really was because I could see a lot of madness revolving around him. 
So that gave me a bit of a reprieve for my teenage years, 13, 14 is when he left. And then, yeah, I knew I had to just get away from it all and start life over because that was, that was horrid. <laughs> yeah. So I, said, I thought I'd just get away and be well. So how did you do that? I resolved to do high school. That was, you know, I would finish that. And after that, it's my my call. No longer, you know, you have to go to university, blah, blah, blah. I just wasn't too much pain. So I decided to travel and find solutions for myself. So true to an al- child of an alcoholic who thinks in black and white, I went to, New- I went to work at... F- the airport for six months and then had a bunch of money that I was going to throw around in New York City because right. I figured if this isn't, yeah, I can make it. If I can make it there, yeah. I'm going to be I'm cured from it, from that childhood. Yeah. Yeah. Often people look at what's called geographicals as a way, as a way out that if I go, I'll leave it all behind. But that doesn't happen, does it? No. It took me decades to see that this doesn't happen. Yep. I tr- still try to keep fooling myself. It did happen. I'm much better. I'm now this and that, and propped my ego up with this, that, or the other achievement. But yeah, it didn't work because my relationships didn't work. No, um, but did you did you gain anything from moving out? Yes. Yeah. I mean, the silver lining of alcoholism is that it gave me some sort of fearlessness. Yes, I knew it can't get much worse. Yeah, because when people say, "Gee, that's pretty brave," I said, "Really?" I felt I had the gun sit behind me, and I just that was so. Just anything was better. Anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, particularly it's better in your mind as well because you're free. Your thoughts are free. Yes, they're no longer constrained by the presence of the other person. Absolutely, and by the intoxication of the household, because of course. My father was also absent to my mother, and so th- therefore she was missing a partner. So I was a kind of surrogate confidant, and it yeah. really did. I didn't. I wasn't interested in her dramas. <laughs> <laughs> so did you feel a bit more balanced? You know, having taken that instability out of your life. I guess at the time I felt more balanced. Now in hindsight, I still I know I was still very lopsided. Yeah. Okay. Mm. But it was good to not have to justify myself all the time or recover from constant criticism. So that, of course, was a huge relief and a huge freedom, a sense mm. of freedom. Yeah. So um, so moving out then, so you made it to New York. So what happened? Well, then I came back to Europe and wanted to pursue a career in dance because I felt dance was my new love, my new higher power. Yeah. When I was dancing, I wasn't feeling Anything. any limitation. So yeah. I, I threw myself into it and within 18 months got severely injured because I was still forcing solutions. Uh, and that doesn't work as an athlete. You've yeah. got to l- start listening. And I was not in no, I was in no mood to listen. No. <laughs> Now, I think growing up in an alcoholic situation, we're very good at controlling oh. and we try and control everything, you know, even bodily, you know, you know, things about our body. But controlling others is, you know, part of life. 
because in an alcoholic situation you have to negotiate whose side you're on all the time and yeah. so it's always yeah. trying to manipulate and control yeah so and that doesn't work in the outside world <laughs> no it doesn't i mean to me it was totally normal i had a i had a boyfriend at the time and visited my cousin in berlin and i was obsessing over his behavior how much he would eat and not and as if his behavior was my responsibility it was just in me mm. crazy i only see it in hindsight that this is how crazy i was and he just looked at me like what's what's going on here because it just came out in certain situations and not in others mm. the controlling yeah so what did you do when you got injured oh, i i really raved and raged I raved and raged as a child against the unfairness of this sad excuse for a parent. Yeah. And then I raged for, hang on, you've given me such a sad life and now you're taking away my only dream. Yeah, I was hugely self-pitiful. Mm. Mm. So what? how'd you get out of that? Um, that took a while, that... Uh, yeah, took me to the spiritual quest, I guess. Yeah, I then wanted to know. Okay, obviously I can't decide those things, so who can? Yeah. What's what's going on? Let's get to the bottom of yeah. this. <laughs> I can't control the universe. Who can? Let's let's talk. <laughs> right. Yeah. So where did that take you? To India. Okay. How long was that? Um, over a three-year period, over a year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and I was lucky. I was in America first at a hippie college, when I couldn't go back to my dance studies, and I'd already, yeah, had some inkling that this might be useful and helpful, a spiritual perspective. And so I got a pointer to India, and I knew where to go rather than just, "Hey, India, have me," yeah, yeah. <laughs> which can go any which way. Yes. So, did it help your recovery? Yes, it did. India really um, liberated me from the severity of my own story. It was just a human story. Yeah, but justice. it wasn't. It yeah. wasn't everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's the thing. Also, in coming into uh, something like Al-Anon, you realise that you're not the only one. And your experience is unique, but it's not terminally unique. It's it has a lot of commonalities with other people and you see that other people have got worse than you and I think that helps. Mm. Did it help you? Mm. Yes, or that it was somewhat normal and we could start laughing about things that we all secretly in our own little situation had cried over. So that is a huge turnaround to see, yeah. to, to laugh in the face of this shattering illness together with others without being flippant or... or discrediting the horror but to also see the insanity of what we put up with and what we put on as yeah. well try and overachieve yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. okay <laughs> um so did you get any therapy for your injury i got yeah but it was a long-term injury so it took about two years to for the pain to subside and by then the professional dance train had really left because I, I didn't want to start with being two years behind my peers. Yeah. So I've lost that passion and, well, now I was going to become enlightened, wasn't I? Yeah. 
<laughs> so part of um, growing up in an alcoholic situation is that you often feel low self-esteem and you feel less than. So did you experience those sort of feelings as well? Yes, I did. I did because my father was very critical and I didn't know what I would have to do for him not to be so. So I was in that hamster wheel of trying to get his approval when he just was not going to give it. No, whatever you did. Whatever I did. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't understand it, so I was tightly wound and forever disappointed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've heard somebody say that... um if you're disappointed, you've only got yourself to blame because you're seeking that mm. approval and it's just not coming. Um, and it's, again, it's good to understand those things. Uh, you can sort of put life into perspective a, a bit that it's it's me seeking rather than the world not giving. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah. So what sort of things do you, did you find helped you then? Um, to get back in my body, like progressive muscle relaxation, that was a great thing my mother took me to when I was 14 because I was having performance anxiety at school. And due to the experiences with my father as well, I'm sure. <clears throat> Excuse me. But um, <clears throat> getting into my body, there was actually a place where I could feel peaceful. So that was a great pointer and still to this day, you know, I then got into movement therapy <clears throat> and voice, voice. <laughs> Mine's just about to go, but never mind. So things that where I can be at home in my body because I was a refugee. Yeah, so you, you can relax and feel comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's... So the other thing that um, people growing up in alcoholic situations find is they find it very difficult to have close relationships did you find that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, very much. Yeah. Oh, my God, I can't even – I would even be happy to be the lover on the side just so that I wouldn't have to have the main relationship. <laughs> I could just come and go. <laughs> exactly. I mean, this is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, because we're always, I guess, looking for approval, it's very difficult to satisfy and we wear people out. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Big time. Uh, so how did you find out about a, a program like Al-Anon and that it could help you? Um, I've said this on the show before, so forgive me if I repeat myself, but when, my, when I was 12, 13, my mother went to Al-Anon to find out what to do in her situation. And then one day she came back and said, hey, do you want to go to Alateen? I said, what's that? It's for kids of alcoholics. And, oh, yeah, and I'm getting a divorce. And I said, well, uh, the problem's gone. I won't yeah. need to go to Alateen, clearly. So I heard it when I was 13, but it took me another 27 years before I actually was honest enough to say that my answers weren't so brilliant that I couldn't learn anything. So I, I went to a meeting about nine years ago. So okay. it took me yeah. a long time. I was yeah. for a long time. I thought, look, I've got God in my corner. What can possibly go wrong? But I had not realized that still emotionally I was still quite unsober. Yeah. Drunk. Yeah, we're, we're, pretty, uh, we're pretty stunted. Stunted. Yeah. That's it, yeah. <laughs> um, so does your mum still go to Eleanor? She went for the one year. No. No. So once she got divorced, she separate. Yeah. 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 Problem solved. 
problem solved. Yeah, yeah she yeah. got on with life. She did some other things. So the lovely thing is we still have a good shared spiritual connection. So we might meditate together, or, and yet everybody does their own practice. Yep. So it's nice she's doing, but when she came along to one Al-Anon meeting with me when she visited me, and afterwards she said why it was all wrong for her. So, yeah. Yep. That's okay. just <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I think the thing about you know the program in Al-Anon is understanding about the alcoholic and the fact that they're sick. And I think if you get the idea that they have a problem, they have a problem themselves, they're using alcohol to try and solve their problem and it's creating more. Mm. And then you get the realisation that, ah, oh, they've, got, they've got their problems. You know, should I be adding to their problems? And I think that's the thing that I, right, that I got yeah. was that <clears throat> I was just adding to my dad's problems, um, which wasn't making me feel good. And it certainly wasn't making his life any better. Yeah. So, you know, realising that, you know, he had a problem helped me to get out and mm-hmm. be myself mm. and do my own thing mm-hmm. and just accept him. He has problems. Just leave him to it. Yeah. Yeah, I found the important po- point with recognising that my dad has a problem was also realising he had to have this problem before I was even born. Yeah. So this problem really no matter how much I try to make it mine so that I can control it and just uh, rectify it, it was never mine. It was never mine to touch or get engaged with. Mm. So that was really good that I didn't cause it. I didn't, you know, I didn't cause it. I can't control it and I certainly won't cure it either. Yeah, (laughs) harsh realisation. (laughs) Yeah, we aren't bulletproof. We can't solve the world's problems. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, well, listen, we might take a break there. Uh, this is the Living Free Show on 3CR, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial and 3CR on digital radio. Uh, we have podcasts of the Living Free Show available on our website, 3cr.org.au forward slash living free. And you can also find them on iTunes or your podcast preferred podcast provider. Uh, if you want to contact us, then you can call the station on 94198377 or you can send us an email at 3crlivingfree at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter occasionally, <laughs> sometimes. Hi, I'm talking with uh, Maya and we're talking about Alanon and recovery from someone else's drinking, basically. Um, so, Maya, we we're talking about finding Alanon. Um, so... Why did you, how did you find it, and why do you think it's good for you? It took me a long, long, long time to find it, even though I had known about it since 13 years of age, Alanon and Alateen family groups. But I was too arrogant. I thought I had so many solutions. Surely nobody could, yeah, they wouldn't be able to help me. I was A, pretty special, and B, (laughs) <laughs> you didn't know my situation. Yeah. So it took me a long time and it has helped. Well, it was nice that I was really wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I I found great help and just the relief of not being alone in that. I found in my first meeting I I heard my sh- heard my story. Yeah. Parts of my story. Yeah. I think the other thing was that um didn't seek help because I didn't ever talk to anybody else apart from the family about it because part of the 
control in the family was you weren't mm. allowed to talk about it outside and that really stops you from reaching out and admitting right. you've got a problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. For me, I felt I would talk with my friends about it, but then there would be that silence because what, what are you going to say? Yeah. What, what do my friends say? Yeah. And, and so I figured from that, well, clearly I've moved on. Clearly it's no longer an issue because this is where the conversation stops. Yeah. But I was still hurting. Yeah. Yeah, I had a couple of very close friends whose whose fathers actually who one whose father actually knew my father, and I sort of spoke to them about, about my dad's drinking and that it was a problem, and they just said like everybody's father drinks, like you know get over it, and I was like, mm. oh okay, mm. yeah, that's clearly they yep. don't they don't drink like my father drinks. No, no. <laughs> yes. Um, so the difference between your family and your Al-Anon family. Yeah. <laughs> what, are the, what are the sorts of differences? Um, for example, I've just travelled with um, some members overseas. So for a, we were travelling for a month and I had not the slightest trepidation because I knew, you know, if, if we do want to do different things, we'll be able to talk about it. If there's conflicts, there's more than just us two to help us out. Yeah. And if worst comes to the worst, we'll be somewhere where there's a meeting. And yeah. I usually find <laughs> I really get a lot of new perspective and more helpful perspective when I'm in a meeting and, you know, the fire on my backside is calming down. I'm listening to some measured words and, yeah. So it was great traveling. It, of course, had its challenges, but, yeah, we knew we are in for... The, the the goalposts were stable, and that's the big difference to the family of origin. Yeah. They were always shifting. <laughs> and you never knew one when you put your foot in your mouth, but I no. was pretty good at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you never really knew whose side to be on, uh, and you always had to be on a side, um, mums or dads. Um, and I think that was part of the part of the issue that – there wasn't any honesty. Everybody was in denial and nobody would talk about the problem. They'd just talk about the people and what yes, they were doing, yes. not not what was happening. And I think that's very confusing for children, particularly for children growing up, just not knowing why are we, why are we not addressing the problem. Mm. And, yeah, so it, it is a, a, an unusual situation. Um, so you... You migrated to Australia, didn't you? Yeah. So how did that happen? I was being offered to come along with a family, a German family that was emigrating. They had bought a house in northern New South Wales. And I came along as their nanny. I just was born on the spot, the idea, because yeah. they hadn't thought it through. And so, yeah, that's how it, that's how it happened. And I was always ready to leave Germany. <laughs> yes, always <laughs> leave all that history behind. Yes, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, what sort of things did you do once you, you know, started to recover and got into the community? What sort of things helped you free yourself? Started to recover with Alanon and Alteen. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow, a lot of headspace was vacant, made free because I suddenly had no job to do anymore. My family was not my job. They were just my family. And 
unless they identify a problem for them that for themselves or or ask me to you know say something or do something about it i don't actually have to do anything i can just leave them leave all the family members to do whatever it is they're doing and understand that it's i actually have to have my life to live and that was really put in the background while living with a crisis that whatever problems i had they weren't nearly as severe as that so therefore yeah. they never got attention yes <laughs> right yeah i i guess the other thing is that um coming to the realization that you you don't know this you don't know how to solve your problem and you certainly can't solve theirs and when that sinks in does that set you free do you do you feel yeah yeah it's also daunting because it's 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 this moment of honesty where i see oh my god look at look at my mess here i don't know how it got there or what i can do about it or how to even proceed so that's the scary part of it but at least there's already a, a sense of honesty or authenticity because it that's my mess <laughs> yeah yeah and that was responsibility for yeah. your mess yeah instead of being responsible for the whole world of family mess. Yes, yeah. it was just too overwhelming. So a little bit of order came into my life once I gained this perspective and also to understand that my low self-esteem was because I've never looked after myself and never learned to look after myself and therefore never, you know, that was never practiced and therefore I was just there. But who I was, how I was, what I liked, what I didn't like what my no-goes are. No idea. Yeah, <laughs> or or just somewhere filed in a cabinet three feet under. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, I often have problems with thing, questions like, you know, what what's your favourite X? I, I didn't have any favourites as children, as a child, yeah. because uh, you couldn't afford to have the wrong favourite. That was a... So you didn't have favourites. You just... Mm, mm. You just Try to figure out what everybody else... I don't else, know. What do you like? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Try and figure out what everybody else liked and yeah. you'd have that. Yeah. So yeah. it's a crazy life. Yeah, but that's how the deal-making happens. Yeah. You know, if I, if I clap for all your little actions, surely you will love me. Yeah. And that's, again, the control. So I'd never realized that I, that I had set up my partner to love me rather than relaxing and allowing them to love me or not love me or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Let... Life have a say as well. No, I was in there and I was going to gain my the love you owed me because I didn't get it done with that dad. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's people pleasing is a really big issue, and understanding that people pleasing is about trying to control other people's opinion of me. And once I realised that, I realised how manipulative it was. Yeah. It wasn't being nice to people. It was <laughs> it was the opposite. It was just hiding behind this charade. Yes. Yeah. So um, you mentioned earlier talking about spiritual things, and I think you said that dance was your spiritual way out. So when you lost dance, what happened? Yeah. <clears throat> Heart, the next heartbreak, second heartbreak. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so then I wanted to really care for my soul because if, if yeah, Somewhere there has to be a good life, somewhere, somehow. So that's how I got got interested into, 
yeah, asking those, doing a real inventory, I guess, or, or inquiry. Who am I? What is it? Who am I not? And what is reliable in, <clears throat> in terms of realness or truth? What is so? I went along those pointers. Okay. Um, so, and I guess one one of those things is realizing that one, you don't have all the answers. And so you've got to reach out. Yeah. And the other one is that you're not wrong or, um, yeah, I, I think wrong's sort of a, not a good word, but it's that you're allowed to be wrong yeah. rather than you are wrong. It's, yes. It, yes. nobody knows all the answers, so you've got to be wrong sometimes. But accepting that you're being wrong sometimes doesn't mean you're broken. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and accepting that you're a, you know, you're a product of your upbringing and you can't um, you can't be better than you are, but you can improve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And that it's worth it, and that yeah, it it that even was exciting to learn in Alanon that I could do things about the future, and that the past was also largely part of my due to my interpretation of it. It it wasn't necessarily. It was just what I rem- chose to remember, mm. which also tainted it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of that's about attitude. Yeah. That you think what you think is a situation become you colour that with yeah. your your thoughts change the situation, yeah. change the reality. It, but the unspoken rules in the home. So for example, you are not, you know, asking for help was difficult. Um, Because we, of course, have, you know, we're academics. We know what to do. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, those learning acceptance was big. And I didn't know that in order to have a good life, I really had to face that that impossibility of accepting something I don't like. About yourself, yeah. Yeah, about myself, about the world. Yeah. Okay. Well, listen, we might take another break there. You're listening to Living Free on 3CR on digital radio and live streaming on 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming. I'm talking to Maya and we're talking about recovering from the effects of alcoholism in a family or friend. Um, So I guess the theme that we're having is on freedom and and how how Al-Anon has changed your ability to live your life. Um, and one of the major things I think is about sort of relationships and how you can actually deal with people a lot better once you feel more comfortable with yourself. So mm. how's that affected you? Yeah, look, greatly. And I was estranged from my dad when I started going to Al-Anon and I fairly soon once I was told he was sick, not evil or facetious or <laughs> just grotty and disgusting. So he, I, there was one moment where I was resentful, probably about three or four months in, and I thought, how come I have to sit here and be in meetings when he can still be out there, keep denying, and, you know, he's got the disease more than I do, surely. And then I realized that's the same the same expectation he I had so suffered under when he put it to me. If you were just a little bit better, if only. And I had to just stop the if onlys. And 
there was a liberation in that and i and i thought well it's it's really a chance to maybe see him again when i have you know from the perspective of recovery and over the last eight or nine years i've seen him about four times and yes it is it is amazing because i'm stucking around enough to see the miracle happen and what happened this year it's only about a month or uh, six weeks ago I visited him and it was disgusting because the first thing that hits me is a stench of urine. It is confronting. But the second day I saw him, he he talked about what his plans and he said, look, when I, when I will turn 62, I'm, I'm thinking of maybe stopping working and so that I have a little more free time. You yeah. would agree, wouldn't you? This man is 85 and he's not worked for yeah. the last 30 years. Yeah. So... But just just the gesture or the attitude that he was asking for for my point of view. Yeah. <laughs> I've only waited for fifty years. Yeah. <laughs> but it's there. So my father I think what he most enjoys about my contact with him is that I'm no longer expecting him to admit he's an alcoholic. Yeah. So once he feels relieved that I'm not so we don't have this stalemate going on uh, or ceasefire and that's really nice that's he's he relaxes always more so on the second day the first day he doesn't know what i'm doing there what i want why i'm here and i'm not even taking tea or coffee and i'm not even going to get us a bottle of wine he still yeah. tries that on me yeah. <laughs> but uh the second day he's really rejoicing that in spite of this illness being there and in spite of us really not knowing each other very well, there's a little window where the love between a father and its daughter is just there. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's um, Having had a good relationship with my dad once I got into Al-Anon, I realized that I could, I could have a relationship with him, but I couldn't share anything personal because he'd use it against me. But we could talk about things that he was interested in but we couldn't talk about family or mm. anything that really mattered we could talk about general things which was good um and, and i you know i could i just had to accept what he said and he'd say some pretty yeah. outlandish things <laughs> and yes. you know it's just this non or uncritical awareness where you're not judging him because he's he's a sick person you know he's you know Mm. So it, and it is good, and I think I felt better having the contact with him than I had before. I always felt guilty that I wasn't doing enough, mm -hmm. or I was making it worse. And at least now I knew that I wasn't making it worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's not only. I mean, that's probably one big relationship, but just in daily life, this kind of non-critical acceptive awareness of others is what what makes me on good days cruise through my days because yeah. I say, oh, whatever they are having, having having happening to them, you know, I can I have a bit more generosity yeah. in my out outlook and towards other people. I'm not always, you know, having the water to my to my neck and yeah. it's just such a gentle way of being in the world. I'm really, really, really enjoying that. Mm. I think the other part is not competing. It, growing up in an alcoholic situation, it was always competition. You were competing against someone 
because everybody got beaten down so far. You know, a claw- phantom. <laughs> clawed your way back up. Um, so do you sort of accept that you'll never have a perfect relationship with your father? Yes. It, yeah. <laughs> it's as good as it can be, I believe, under given the circumstances and, you know, making huge allowances. And that's 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 great because he wasn't mean to me because he was wanting to be mean to me. He was mean to me because he was troubled and that was his only way of yeah. dealing with it. So, yeah, to to understand that is really great and having a completely like it's on a different level. It's not no longer the child that needs something, but it is somewhat an adult who who's got really critical information that he himself hasn't got yeah and yeah. and yes it's there's very little i can talk with him about but it's just even if it's just the fact of spending a couple of hours together and seeing each other face to face yes we have to you know <laughs> this is worthwhile yeah. children of alcoholics have very low expectations <laughs> and it's very little but it is something and yeah. it is something which I allow and which he allows. So that shared allowance yeah. is something worth, yeah. worth yeah. recognizing. Yeah. Now, I think that's it, the, the mutua- mutuality of it, the fact that he benefits and I benefit, whereas before it was we were both so opposed to each other that we wouldn't allow the other person in. And I think that ability to then go, it's okay, we're not competing anymore, mm. Um yeah, uh, yeah, it's good. Yeah. So, what about your mum? Do you still have a good relationship with her? Yeah, yeah. Our relationship had to change because, um, um, yeah, I had to find my own way and and live my own life. Not not just be a mini me of her. <laughs> she, I still remember. She's just a couple of years ago. I was trying on some clothes and and she says, "You wouldn't like that." I said. Yes, I do. She could. She it was inconceivable to her that I should have a taste of my own. <laughs> so that took some years and some very unelegant rejection on my part because I wanted to be free. I didn't want to be a surrogate partner when my my dad didn't show up. So, but we have found our way, and and now there's great honesty, great honesty, and goodwill. Yeah. Between my mother and I. Yeah. Um, so did she reconcile with the alcoholic? No, no. They've never seen each other. But uh, <laughs> I've got a funny role sometimes in relaying. For example, my father would say, oh, your mother, she always worked. Mm-hmm. You know, I can see how he, how my mother is in held in good stead in his head. and Or my mother would say... Um, I don't know. She doesn't. She she, as much as she can do is listen to me. She asked me about and and I would answer how it was with my father, and she can listen to it. I think that's that's more than we've ever been. But yeah. she has no interest in seeing him, and I can't recommend it either. <laughs> <laughs> it's not not something I do for fun, but it is. It is. Yeah, it touches something. Deeply, I you know, yeah. as as 
exhausting and nerve-wracking as it can be, it is rewarding because of that special, yeah, that special bond, genetic yeah. number. Mm. <laughs> and what about you? You have a sister, so what? What about your sister? Ah, uh, look, that's another really big fallout from the family disease of alcoholism. My sister has estranged herself from everybody. She feels everybody let her down, and and that's yeah. Some of us have to do that. I no longer feel guilty or or bereft. It's you know sometimes for some of us survivors of this family disease, you know if we we, we don't get suicidal or homicidal, that's already a, a lot. Yeah, positive, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's very positive. And my sister, she was older, so she really when I was hiding in bed and trying to go to sleep in my mother's bed. So I was somehow in safety. Yeah. She was out. She was out and trying. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So she spent years there. Yeah. And horrible. Yeah. So I I I get sad because she's so un- misunderstood and some of the family members say, "Oh, you should talk to your mom. It makes you feel better." Or and she just says, "Go away." Or you you don't understand, mm. and it's true. Mm. People in the wider family don't understand, such as my aunts and uncles. They don't. They haven't lived with us. So my sister is doing the best she can, and I respect her for that because at least she's not hassling me. That's great too, you yeah. know, because yeah, it could right. be. Yeah. We never know what we get. <laughs> so um, so how long have you been in al Nine years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, when they come to Al-Anon, think, oh, my God, I don't want to be in Al-Anon for life. Yeah. So <clears throat> what do you think? I once had a great, great take on uh, on an Alateen. An Alateen asked, oh, how long do I have to go there? And the Al-Anon member said, until you want to. Yeah. And that's how it is. Yeah. I've, I've, I just enjoy being there because it settles me really well. Yeah. Um, that's right. And, and, um, some people talk about it as a recharging their batteries. And so each week you sort of get a recharging face, face life on life's yeah. terms. Um, and Alan, I guess is about facing life. It's not about the alcoholic. It's about me and me facing the issues in life, um, and trying to get over me. Because yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm the problem. Yeah. yeah, it's not the alcoholic. Yeah, it's my reaction to the alcoholic that's the problem. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't. His, it was never his drinking. It was my reaction to what happened mm. when he drank. Mm. And I think understanding that 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 I'm the problem that I've got to fix. He's got to fix his own problems, mm. but I've got to fix mine. I'm the only one who can address yeah. them, not fix them, but address them, and acknowledge that I'm I'm sick from growing up in an alcoholic family Mm. and i guess part of that is um i guess grieving that the family would never be the perfect family accepting that i was part of the problem Mm. and then getting on and doing something about it yeah yeah yeah. i think it'll might take me another 20 years i listen (laughs) to you and i hear that and i know yes it's about responsibility and yes but there's a lot of, I find in Al-Anon things only clarify when it's time for them. And yeah. there's part where I'm still not, you know, probably mature enough to say 
I was part of the problem, I still go like, hang on a minute. <laughs> I know that it's true, but it's, you know, it's yeah. till the knowing goes from the head till the heart might take yeah. some time. Yeah. I, I think that's, yeah, it's, it's about acceptance, accepting that somebody else, somebody else's problem isn't my responsibility, but my reaction to their problem yes. is, is something I can deal with yes. that I can do yeah. something about. And there is and there is outfall, you know. I, yeah. I, I have areas in my life that are unmanageable which are a direct consequence of of <laughs> me trying to control something which is never gonna be controllable. So yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> That's why. Yeah. Okay. Um so we're getting close to the end. Um wow. what was I gonna say? Um yeah. So what you mentioned going to um, the convention overseas. Um, so what other things do you do in Al-Anon? Um, you mean my service? Or? Yeah. What sort, of, what sort of things are you involved in in Al-Anon in, yeah. in service? Yeah. I do Alateen. I'm an Alateen sponsor. Okay. So that means children who are presently living or have lived with an alcoholic or with that situation at home can come to a place where they find like-minded teenagers and have always two adults, who are, two Al-Anon members who are screened to, so that the meeting go, goes along the guidelines. But they do their own meeting. Yes. Mm. Okay. Um, so are there Al-Anon meetings there's, generally? Yeah, there's four in Melbourne. One's in... Glen Roy on a Monday night. One's in one Thaggy. I'm not sure when that is. Frankston is on a Thursday night, so seven thirty till nine o'clock on Frankston. And Heidelberg. Oh no, Malvern. Malvern has one on Monday night, also seven thirty. So they are all on on the website, and we always there's always sponsors there, so it's yeah. very easy. For if if an Al-Anon member or an AA member, they go to their meeting and bring the kids to the Alateen meeting, and then more than one in the family can recover together, which is really fun. Yeah, that's that's the ideal, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, listen, um, we've probably reached the end of the show. Uh, if you'd like to find out more about Al-Anon family groups, uh, you can phone them on one three hundred two five two triple six, or you can go online at alanon.org.au um, I'd like to thank Maya for coming in and sharing her recovery experience with us thank you thank you thanks for having me you're welcome uh, I hope you'll be able to join us again next week when we'll be talking about recovery from gambling addiction and we'll be joined by Graham from Gram- Gamblers Anonymous that's about all we've got time for today so but if you stay tuned for Black Noise Radio it's going to be hosted by Kerry Lee and featuring Black Current Affairs, Music, Sport, Culture and the Arts, all from an Aboriginal woman's perspective. Thanks again for listening to Living Free. 